Today, I want to deal with the thought question, why prosperity? Who wants to know why prosperity? <laughs> why prosperity? Why does God want you to prosper? Why should you desire prosperity? Why should you aim at prospering? Now, we've been able to settle a couple of questions and we've been able to bring you to the place where you understand that it is the will of God for you to prosper. It is God's idea. In the first place, it was God's idea. It was not man's idea. As we showed you how God put Adam in the garden of Eden. The word Eden means pleasure. Correct? So God put the man that he created in the garden of pleasure. It was not the man's idea. It was God's idea. And we've been able to establish that God's idea hasn't changed. Thank you for two, three amens. I say God's idea has not changed. Yeah, we understand that sin came because of the fall of man. When man committed high treason, sin came and it, it seemed as if, and it did alter. It did alter man's position, but never altered God's plan. Should I say that again? Sin came and altered whose position? Never altered God's position. God's position has always been that man prospers. God's plan can never be altered by Satan. Come on now, say amen. amen. So man's position was altered, but God's position was never altered. God's position remained the same. And that is exactly what Jesus came to accomplish. I know when you ask people, why did Jesus come? They'll say, Jesus come to, sell, to, to forgive our sins. But really, if you think about it, the reason Jesus came is to put man back into where man was in the beginning. A place of dominion. A place of fellowship with God. Because if you are in a place of fellowship with God, then you are in a place of absolute dominion. Can someone shout praise God? So we understand that it is the will of God for you to prosper. It is the will of God for you to enjoy all that is made available to you in Christ. So why prosperity? Number one, so that you are provided for. So that you're what? No, really, so that you're provided for. Psalms 34 verse 9 says to us, actually read verses 9 and 10. Psalm 34 verse, verses 9 and 10. He said, oh fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amen. Why prosperity? So that you are adequately provided for. It is God's will. The young lions lack food. The young lions suffer hunger. But those that seek God will want nothing beneficial. That is God's plan for your life. That is God's purpose. Your sustenance, it's God's responsibility. I say your sustenance, it's God's responsibility. Maybe you want to write that down. Your sustenance, it's God's responsibility. God, your father, is a responsible father. I can see some people saying yes. Exactly it is yes. God's responsibility is to provide for you in psalm number 23 verse 1 the bible says the lord is your shepherd and you shall not lack you won't lack because the lord is your shepherd we serve a responsible god not an irresponsible god Praise God. Now, 
that needs to build a solid faith in each person today. Your God is responsible. Your God is responsible. I say your God is responsible. <laughs> you know, we can just stay on this one. You serve a responsible God. You, you don't serve an irresponsible God who does not think about you. In actual fact, the Bible says you are the apple of his eyes. That, listen to me. You've got to understand the way God sees you. I know that when people come from a dysfunctional family, when they come from a dysfunctional society, they tend to see God like their dysfunctional father or their dysfunctional mother. But I need you to know that God's not like that. God is not a dysfunctional God. God is not a dysfunctional father. God is a functional, responsible God who knows his own and takes care of them. Let me tell you something. God wants you to prosper more than you want to prosper. Jesus said to the disciples, little children, don't worry. It is the will of your father to give you the kingdom. Don't worry. This is not what you need to cry about and weep about and roll on the floor about just to get God's attention. No, no, no. God wants to give it to you more than you want to get it. That is the kind of God that we serve. Come on now, say praise God. Hallelujah. Any father in this place this morning, any mom in this place this morning that understands responsibility, that understands what it means to take care of his own, that understands that your kids, just like I told you the first day when I began to teach this, I told you that your children do not live in your house based on principles. You don't ask your kids, what principles do you know to live in my house? Do you? Something will be wrong with you if you did. And if you do, the kids need to be taken away from you. And giving to somebody who can really take care of them. Are you listening to me? No, you don't need your kids to tell you principles to qualify to live in your house. Your children qualify to live in your house by virtue of what? Birth. And so a father, a mother must be responsible. And any functional parent is responsible. Praise God. Everything you have, your kids have access to. True. Now, it's very important you understand that. God has given you access to everything that He has. I said, God has given you access to everything that He has. Because God is a very functional God, God's a very responsible God. Come on now, say amen. amen. And, and I don't want you to put God in your. Little box. I don't want you to put God in your cultural box. I don't want you to put God in your little experience box. Your experience may not be what I'm teaching today, but I like for the word of God to change your experience. I say I like for the word of God to change your experience. What you may have experienced may not be what I'm talking about today. Your life may not be consistent with what I'm sharing, but it does not negate what the truth is. The truth of the matter is, God is looking out for you. <laughs> oh my God. You know, you preach this, people should be praising God. People should be lifting their hands and say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, because you are my Father indeed. And you are my Father indeed that cares so much for me. You are my Father indeed that watches out for me 24-7. Even when I'm sleeping, you don't sleep. You're always out there to help me. You're always out there to make a way where there is no way. God is responsible and God is going to take care of you. In the morning when you wake up at noonday, 
uh, in the evening, even when you are fast asleep and you don't know what's happening around you, you serve a God who takes care of his own perfectly. The young lions do lack. Now, I'm a big fan of wildlife. And it's one of my favorite channels on TV. The young lions lack. The young lions lack. They lack. Some days they've got no kill. And they manage to get a kill and they eat and that's it for like three more days. Some die of starvation. And young lions here, of course, in reference to the, the strength. The strength of a young lion. Not an old lion. An old lion is dying off. A young lion is strong. He's the king of the jungle. God says that even though young lions like, you would not like. Yeah. Young lions like. Think about, think about the comparison. Think about it. And this is, this is where I want, I want us to pull back and rest. And when I talk about this, I don't want you to misunderstand me. But I want us to pull back and rest and trust in the grace of God. The young lion is up and about looking for a meal, looking for a prey. But there are days that he doesn't find one. He finds them, but he can't catch them. So some of those, uh, some of those animals also, the, some of those prey in the wild, they are also very alert. Do you know what happens sometimes? When those prey are out there in the bush, in the thickets, guess what? The birds expose the lion. You don't know that? The birds, the monkeys too. They are up there and they begin to give warning signals. Because here comes a lion, a young lion about to pounce on the prey. And so the birds are up there and the monkeys are up there on the trees and they're giving signals. And when, the, when, when those animals hear the signals of the monkeys and the birds, they take off running. And so there are days that a young lion is looking for a prey but can't find one. So with all the effort and all the energy the young lion exerts, still cannot find food. God is also saying to you, my child, listen, God's people. It is not by exerting energy and strength and all these things that people think it's what gets them provision. That's why I wanted to say, I said to you, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. I'm going to get to that sometime. In the but I need you to understand that trusting in the grace of God for provision is necessary in this day and time that we're living. Come on now, say amen. amen. Say to your neighbor, God's. Say to your neighbor, your sustenance is God's responsibility. Come on, say like you mean, your sustenance is God's responsibility. Praise God. Maybe you need to say to yourself, because you stole somebody, but I don't think you truly believe it for yourself. Say to yourself, my sustenance is God's responsibility. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, Therefore, take no thought. Take no what? Take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? You notice what Jesus is saying here is, don't worry. Tell somebody, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh my God. Don't, don't worry. Jesus is saying, take no thought. Don't worry. Don't ask the question, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, Jesus is the one saying this. Don't take thoughts about these things. 
don't we have people that worry all the time about what to eat and what to drink and they're worried and they lose their peace they lose their sleep jesus said take no thought be anxious for nothing be anxious for some things be anxious for a couple of things be anxious for what the word nothing means no thing. So Jesus says, take no thought about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? How are we going to be clothed? He says, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. Uh-huh. All these things do unbelievers seek. All these things do the Gentiles or unbelievers. In this case, Gentiles here would be unbelievers, those who don't believe in Christ. Because we that are believing Christ, we have become the seed of Abraham. Is that correct? Come on now, say amen. amen. We've become spiritual Israelites. Is that correct? Amen. amen. So all these things do the Gentiles or the unbelievers die to get come on now talk to me they die to get they they seek these things they kill to have these things they do whatever it takes to have these things they cut corners to have these things they bribe to have these things they compromise to have the, all these things. All these things. If you really think about it, what are people really pursuing? Let's break it down and let's just put it on the table and ask ourselves the question. What are people in pursuit of? You might say money. Is that correct? But what is the purpose of the money? What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Really, that's really what it's about. In, in summary, it, that's what it's about. You can't eat the cash. Can you? No, the money is a means. Is that correct? It's a means of exchange. So you want food, you give money. You can't wear the, the cash. I don't care how much you have. You never take a million dollars and give it to a tailor. And ask him to sew you the best dress. All in a hundred dollar note. You step out of your house. You're going to look like a fool. But you take that money. And you buy yourself a very nice Gucci dress. Now nah, the ladies are laughing because they know what I'm talking about. You take that money and you buy yourself a very nice pair of shoes. Correct? You don't put on the money, but you put on what the money can afford. You don't build a house with the money. The cash. And name it money house. Can you do that? No, you can't. But you buy a very nice house. You build your dream house with that money. Is that correct? So if you notice what Jesus is saying, don't worry what you would eat, what you would drink, or wherewithal you be clothed. For these are the things that the Gentiles are dying to get. They seek these things with every drop of their blood. I heard a story of this multimillionaire who was on his deathbed. And he was about to die and someone came there and asked him, you've, you've, you've done a lot. You've done a lot in your life. What more do you need? You know what he said? One more dollar. One more dollar. 
one more dollar. This guy was so very rich. But when they asked him about, he was about to die, they asked him what more he needed. He said he needed one more dollar. So there are people that are dying to get these things. But Jesus said, don't worry about these things. You know why? For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Can, can I tell you this morning, God your father in heaven know the things you need. I said, God know the things you need. Now, Jesus is basically saying to us, listen guys, don't worry about these things. These things have been taken care of by your father which is in heaven. Your father knows you need them. And I'm sure there are some people here this morning that needs to hear what I'm preaching today. Your heavenly father knows you need your rent. I'll bring it down home now. Yeah. Your, your heavenly father know you need. Listen, listen, your heavenly father does not want your landlord banging on your door. He knows. He knows you need new clothes. I don't get spiritual on me now. I'm preaching good. He knows. I say he knows. Yeah. It's interesting that Jesus even dealt with people's material life. But you find out, you start talking about material life, and, and, and people criticize you for talking about material life. There's nothing wrong with having your material life intact. God wants you to. Don't worry. He knows your rent is due. We've actually, we're in the new, in the new month, right? Yeah, your, your rent was due last week. <laughs> he knows. Now, you know what? You may not understand it if you've never dealt with it. There are some, some of you here, you don't have a clue of what I'm talking about because you've never dealt with it. You've never been under pressure to pay your rent and, uh, and, and, and it's a week late and it's two months late and yet you haven't paid. You don't have an idea of what I'm talking about. But if you've ever experienced it, you know what I mean. But I want to encourage you this morning. That's why I'm telling you that your father in heaven know you need these things. And your father in heaven will take care of this. If only you can confidently trust in him. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:6, For without faith, it is impossible. Everyone say impossible. impossible. To please God. So what I'm preaching to you this morning must birth faith in your heart. God wants you provided for. And God wants you well supplied for. God does not, listen to me, God does not want you starving. He doesn't. I know it's a very simple message. I know I'm not giving you Hebrew and Greek. But you don't need Hebrew and Greek when you haven't paid your rent. You don't need Hebrew and Greek when you don't know when the next meal, where the next meal is going to come from. So you heard Bishop Safford the other day. He said for days he had no food to eat and he pretended he was fasting. Now so many of us have come through many things. But I believe with all of my heart that God wants you here this morning to be provided for. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. God wants you provided for. God wants to take care of you. Now, you may be going through what I just explained with Bishop Safo. You may be going through some of the things that I have gone through in my personal life. But I want you to understand that if you're going through that, God wants to bring you out. And God wants to bring you to the other side. At the end of the day, it don't matter what you go through. It don't matter what you're going through. I want you to understand what the plan of God is for every believer. God wants every believer to be well, well provided for. That 
is the will of God. Tell your neighbor, it's the will of God. It's the will of God for me. It's the will of God for you. It is the will of God. Your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Maybe I'm preaching to Chica. Because he's excited. Maybe I'm preaching to Henry. Who else am I preaching to in this place? I say your fa- to Genevieve. I say your, your father wants you well provided for. Amen. Now you know why you, you know why it's good to repeat these things? Because you know they say that the average person needs to hear a thing 11 times before they get it. And I know it seems like I'm being very repetitive here, but I'm telling you, you will get it in your spirit and when you go home tonight and you put your head on your pillow, it will resonate. It will just keep resonating. You wake up the next day, you will hear my voice. My, my heavenly father wants me well provided for. Now, if the message does not concern you, don't worry. But it does concern the person sitting beside you. It does concern somebody in this place. It does concern someone that's watching online right now. Your father wants your needs met. The young lion will lack food and will suffer hunger. But those that seek the Lord. I'm talking to you watching on the internet. Those that seek the Lord will not want anything that's beneficial. All that's beneficial, God says, I will provide. God says, I'll bring them to you. Don't worry about where the next meal will come from. You see, this is where God wants us to come to. It's a place of rest. Everyone say rest. Listen, guys. It's a place of rest. It's a place of confidence. It's a place of faith. It's a place of absolute trust. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. It is your will. Do you believe this? It is the will of God. And you, you're sitting here today, you, you, you've come through some things. Or maybe you're going through some things right now. But God is with you. Is it not interesting? God said, when you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon you. You know why all the elements that we just mentioned will not affect you? Do you know why? Oh, you don't know why? It's obvious in the word. When you walk through the water, I will be with you. The only reason all these things will not affect you is because God will be there. God is there all the time. In the waters, in the river, in the fire. It don't matter what you're going through. God says, I'll always be there. And guess what? When God is there. When God is there, all these things will not affect you in any way, form, or fashion. Because God will see. That's why he says, listen, listen. Psalm number 23. Though you walk through Yeah, that's what it says. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. They don't discomfort you. They comfort you. You see, God is always there in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the fire. That's why when the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire, what happened? They saw another like the Son of Man. They saw another like the Son of God. He was, in actual fact, he was there waiting for them to come. 
And what was supposed to destroy them could not destroy them. Rather, it destroyed the ropes with which they were bound. Listen, what you're going through is not going to destroy you. It's only going to destroy you. If there's any rope that has bind you, if there's anything that the enemy has... Yeah. Listen, God allows people to go through stuff, not for those things to ruin them or destroy them, rather for them to trust God and to understand that the fire is not there to ruin you. It is there to burn off of you everything that the enemy has put around you. Can someone give God praise and glory in the house this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, this is good news. Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. Why prosperity? So that you have all that you need provided. Is that correct? Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, He that spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely. I want to say freely. Freely give us all things. He that did not spare his son. You know when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said to to God. Father if it be thy will. Let this cup pass over me. But not my will. But let your will be done. What did the father say? What did the father say? What? (laughs) The father was not willing to let him off the hook. The father said go ahead. Accomplish what we agreed. For the sake of humanity. So what the Bible is saying to us here in Romans 8. He that did not spare. He that did not pull his son out of this thing that he was about to go through. He that did not say my son you will not suffer what you are about to suffer. He allowed him to suffer. He allowed him to go through it. In other words he gave you his best gift. What else will he withhold from you? That's basically what the Bible is asking. If God gave you his best What else will he withhold? Will he withhold a house? Will he withhold a car? Will he withhold money? Will he withhold clothes? No, talk to me. What else will God withhold from you when God has given you his very best gift? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through his son might be saved. So he that did not spare his own son but freely. I want to say freely. Can I tell you something that Jesus was giving to us freely? Come on now, say amen. amen. But freely gave him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hey, good news, good news, good news, good news. Listen, listen. God in Christ has freely given us all good things. All, all, everyone say all, all good things. So why prosperity? I've given you the answer to that question. Can someone say praise God? God. Number two, why prosperity? So that you can participate in the harvest of souls. So that you can do what? You can participate in the harvest of souls. Luke chapter 8, let's look at Luke chapter 8. We'll read from verse 1 to verse number 3. Luke chapter 8. If you're taking note, write these things down. I want you to study this on your own in your spare time. These are the reasons why we must prosper. These are the reasons why prosperity is available to the church. Number two reason is so that you can participate in the harvest of souls. Luke 8, 1 to 3. The Bible says, and it came to pass afterward that he, that's Jesus, went throughout every city and village. What was he doing? Preaching. Well, that's it. See now. He was preaching and shewing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And watch this. And certain women. Everyone says certain women. 
You know, it can also be certain men today. Not only certain women, let's also add some men to this today. Come on now, say amen. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Oh, the woman had seven demons. But when she met Jesus, Jesus cast the seven devils out of her. How will you, thank you very much, that's prosperity. See, the woman had seven demons in her. No matter what she had in the material world, she was still not prospering. Because even the demons wouldn't let her do what she wanted to do. Correct? You, you know the story of the, the, the gathering demoniac. The man who had legion of demons in him. The Bible says the man was so demon possessed that the demons drove him into, the, into where? Into the graveyard. The man was so demon possessed that when they would bind him with ropes, he would break the ropes. The man was so demon possessed that it didn't matter what he had in the natural. What happened? The man would strip himself naked, running all over the graveyard as a crazy man. So what is prosperity when you are mentally deranged? So here is Mary Magdalene. She has seven. You know what it means to be possessed? Not one. Not two. One is enough to ruin someone's life. You know some people are not possessed. They are only oppressed. So yet they can't have any kind of victory. Are you listening to me? You know there are different levels of demonic influence. There is obsession. I want to say obsession. There is oppression. I want to say oppression. There is possession. Now possession is when the demon has the person completely. That's why it's called possession. Because now the man is no more in possession of himself. The man is now in possession of a spirit. So it is the spirit that possesses the man that determines the outcome of the man. And what the man or the woman does on a daily basis. So here was Mary Magdalene. She was possessed. Not oppressed. Possessed. Now I can tell you about the story of the woman who was oppressed. Not possessed. The woman who was oppressed for 18 years. When Jesus came into the, into the temple into the synagogue, the woman was bent over like this. Correct? And when Jesus saw the woman, the woman was not possessed. The woman was oppressed by a spirit of what? Infirmity. Is that correct? So Jesus saw the spirit of infirmity that oppressing. The word oppress is to put pressure on. So this spirit was putting pressure on the woman's body. And the spirit was not in her, but the spirit was on her. So the spirit bent her over like this for 18 years. In other words, she was not born like that. She was probably married. She probably had some children. And one day, the thing happened. Suddenly, she woke up and she was like this. Suddenly, something began to happen in her. And eventually, she was like this. But when Jesus saw this woman, Jesus saw that there was a spirit behind it. And the name of the spirit is called infirmity. And Jesus told the spirit, leave her alone. And when the spirit left her, the woman stood up erect. She wasn't possessed. She was oppressed. But Mary Magdalene... Was possessed. In other words, when someone is possessed, they have no control of their minds. They have no control of their bodies. They have no control of anything they do. They are in absolute submission to the spirit that has possessed them. You need to go listen to my message on deliverance. 
And that will help you understand. There are different levels of demonic influence. But a Christian should not be possessed. One amen, two amen. <laughs> but some Christians are oppressed. It's true. But they shouldn't be oppressed though. But they are. Why are they oppressed? Let's not even go there. Let's, <laughs> let's just move on. If you want to hear my message on, 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 on um, deliverance, go to the website. You'll find it. It's there. I think I did probably, I probably preached that message for like a month or two. Because I wanted to get people to the place of total liberty in Christ. Enough is enough. I say enough is enough. Christian running scared. Christians running like a chicken with his head chopped off. Christian run, Christians running from the devil. Or Christians running from one deliverance meeting to another deliverance meeting. All in the hope of being set free. And yet they are not free. One of the reasons for a Christian's oppression is because of ignorance. That was ignorance. That Listen, if there is anything that, if there's anything that gives the enemy influence and power over a believer, that is the word, ignorance. That was ignorance. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When there is knowledge, there is light. And when there is light, darkness leaves. So this woman had seven demons. That was seven demons. <laughs> and Joanna, the wife of Chusa or Cusa, whatever, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, watch this, which ministered unto him of their substance. Notice these women were with Jesus. They were giving to Jesus from their substance. Why were they giving to Jesus? To support the ministry. That's why, if you notice when I read this from verse 1, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village. What was he doing? Preaching. So these women were partners with him. Say it with me, they were partners. These women were partners with Jesus in the ministry. You know what happens when you partner with a ministry? When the ministry wins souls, it also comes into your own private account. Oh, no, they didn't like, they didn't like that. Do you understand that your greatest account is souls? Uh, do you know that we all have accounts in heaven? Do you know that we all have accounts in heaven? You don't know that. We do. We do have accounts. The Bible says naked you came into this world. Naked you would leave. In other words, you are not going to take anything material with you. Don't listen. You know what the you know what the pharaoh back in the pharaohs would do. The Egyptians would do back in the, in, the, in the old in the olden times. When when a pharaoh dies, they will bury the pharaoh with uh, spoons, pots, kitchen wares. So when they go over to the other side, they will cook and. You came to the world naked. You're going to leave naked. You're taking nothing material with you. The only thing you take with you is what you've done for the kingdom of God. Amen. See, that's why when we give testimonies of our people are getting saved and some people get excited, some don't. You can see that those who have no excitement about soul winning do not know what it means. They have no clue. So you've got an account. Tell somebody you've got an account. And it's time to begin to fill up this account. Now, there are ministries that are reaching millions. But you are not able to reach millions right now. 
There are ministries reaching thousands. There are ministries reaching hundreds. But you might not be able to reach them. So what do you do to multiply your minus? See, in mathematics, it doesn't make sense, right? But what do you do to multiply your minus? You give into ministries that's reaching the lost because every soul that comes into the kingdom of God through them will also come into your account because you become a partner with that ministry. Now, what's partnership? Think about what is partnership? Partnership requires that what I invest into the business, I also get what? Profit. I got a profit. I got a profit because I've, in, I've invested into this. That's what partnership is. So these women were in partnership with Jesus. They were investing into the gospel, into the ministry. That is the reason why God also wants you in the church to prosper. Why? Because he gives you the opportunity to invest in the preaching of the gospel. And there are many that are lost and they are going to a lost eternity. And God wants to use you financially to bring them in. Can someone say amen? Listen, my friends, it is time for our giving to go back to the gospel. Praise God. So when you give for the work of the gospel, you are making eternal investments. If earthly investments produces dividends, how much greater heavenly investments? Philippians 4.17, listen to what Paul said. I'll read this from the Amplified Classic. It says, not that I seek or am eager for your gift. But I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit. Everyone said the fruit. Notice, the Philippians, they had given to Paul. And Paul writes to them. He said, I'm not seeking for the gift. I am glad you gave, but my my focus is not the gift. My focus is the what? Is the fruit. Just like what I said. When you invest, what happens? You get a profit. What I am looking for is the profit that does what? Watch this. The fruit which increases to your credit. I said you have an account. I said you have an account. This fruit... Goes into your credit. Do you have credit? Like in the US, they ask, what's your credit? Have you got credit? I don't have credit. Somebody, Dr. Rodney was telling the story how when he just got to the US, they kept asking him, what's your credit? He said, I've got no credit until you give me one. You know, because he just, he was just in the system. And they keep asking everywhere you go. You want to buy a house? You want to buy a car? You want to buy this? They ask you your credit. Is that correct? Is this true? Yeah, they, they're not Americans. Is this true? True, right? Good. Because some of them can't say yes. They don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> how does it work? How does it work? You want to buy a house? They ask you for credit, right? Your credit rating. Correct? If you've got none, you can buy. It's a credit system. Are you listening now? But Paul said, this increases to your credit. The harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. It's the harvest of blessing that's accumulating to your account. How many of you have a bank account in Turkey? How many of you have a bank account somewhere in the world? How many of you don't have a bank account? How many of you would not open a bank account? How many of you prefer, how many of you prefer to use a big piggy bank? <laughs> you know some people, they don't save money in the bank. They, they would rather put it in their piggy bank. But think about this. You get your ATM card, correct? Huh? If you have a bank account, you get your ATM card. And when you are about to withdraw money from the ATM machine, you slot in the card, you punch in your PIN, 
and you're punching how much you want to withdraw. And, <laughs> and if you are asking for a thousand, but all you've got in the account is 300, what would they say? Namda, give us that signal. <laughs> you get a signal. Because you don't have in your account a thousand. All you've got is 300. You can't be asking for what you don't have. That's a fact. But if you have 10,000 and you put in your card and you demand for a thousand, it pays up. It does what? It pays up. But if you don't have it, you can't punch that amount. You are, you are about to steal. Notice what Paul says here. It says the harvest of blessing. The harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. So there is an accumulation that takes place in your account. As you partner in the ministry. Specifically in giving. That's what I'm talking about now. Can someone say amen? So it's accumulating in your account. So we uh, uh, we believe in prosperity so that we can participate in the harvest of souls. Listen, guys, what is the need of having all the money you have when you will not give for the harvest? Huh? What is the need? One day you're going to close your eyes in death. And it's over. That's why J Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures where you have an account where moth and rust cannot corrupt where thieves cannot break through and steal for where your treasure is pardon there your heart will be also I like that. Notice he didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said, say where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Say to your neighbor, you've got an account. And ask them, is it empty? Is it full? Is it accumulating? Number three. Why prosperity? So that we can support the poor and the needy. Thank you for one amen. Listen to me. You are not just an for yourself. Can I also tell you this? Listen carefully. Listen to this. I know you're writing, but listen carefully. Don't miss this. Do you know that your breakthrough is someone else's breakthrough? It is. Your breakthrough is another person's breakthrough. You are not only enriched for you. Greedy, stingy, self-centered people don't please God. You are enriched to be a blessing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend this to each of you. Work out a plan to take care of the poor. Should I say that again? Walk out a plan to take care of the poor and the needy. Jesus said you shall have them with you always. You don't have to look too far to find poor people. Walk out a plan to take care of the poor. Walk out a plan to take care of the needy. Put them in your budget. Work out a plan to take care of needy people. You know, I come up here sometimes and I begin to declare and decree and prophesy. And I talk about how some of you will pay rent for people. 
And people shout amen. But it, it's not in, listen, it's not enough to shout amen. Start somewhere. People shout amen too much, but they don't do nothing about this stuff. When I tell you that you will also pay rent for people, that's when you, you, you say amen, but you begin to start. You start some, you may not have the complete rent, but you may give somebody one fourth of their rent. Start somewhere. And when God sees that you are willing to do it, God will increase you to where you begin to pay rent for two, three, four, five, ten people. You, you will even begin to buy homes for people. People are waiting until they get a million. But if you can't do something with the one you have, neither will you do anything, if, even if a million, if, if. Because there is a probability it may not even come. Think about feeding poor people. Amen, I will feed them. What have you done? What have you started? Who are you taking out for lunch? No, when the bill comes, you go to the toilet. So that the person that's sitting with you at the table will take the bill and pay the bill. Don't shut me down now because I'm preaching good. Who are you taking care of? Who are you feeding? Someone will visit your house. You start grumbling. Oh, they come whenever I wanna, I'm about to eat. <laughs> or you keep it in the fridge until they leave. You wait, they leave, you bring it out. And when pastor says you will feed the poor, you feel the hungry, you shout hallelujah. <laughs> but you, you, you fail to understand that the poor came to your house. What does, what does the Bible say in the book of James? Don't say to them, go, God bless you. When you have it to give to them. God bless you, I'm praying for you. The Lord will send an angel before you get home. You are the angel. They just met an angel, but this angel folded his wings. <laughs> Did not do anything. That's if angels have wings. <laughs> Don't shut your bowel of compassion. Be compassionate. Help people. God will see you and God will qualify you to help more. Every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to God. Yeah. That is the Bible. Proverbs 19.17. Every time you give to poor people, you are loaning to God. Listen, you cannot loan to God and God not pay you back. You can't loan to God. I've loaned a few people, they took my money and ran away. But you can't loan to God. You can't. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Somebody walked into my office. Pastor, I need money. Uh, I need to pay my rent. I'll bring it next week. How can I let you leave my office without money to pay your rent? The guy who was begging. Here, pay your rent. I've not seen him in church since. It's been three years or four years. Now. <laughs> but God repays me. Come on, I say God repays me. Is there anybody like that here? You've done some good for some people and they, 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 they took the good and they turn it, they turn it in such a way where it hurt you. Listen, release, release them. Say to somebody, release them. Release them, release them. You when you release them, when you release them, God is God will be the one to repay you. How much is it? One thousand dollars. How much is it? Five thousand dollars. That is nothing. God will repay you more than what you gave. You can go to God and say, God, you see that man. Took that money and, and ran away. Repay me. Because if I catch him, you know how much he can give back to me? No, uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 I mean the guy who took the money. If I catch the guy who took the money, you know how much he's going to give back to me? Even though it's like five years, it's been like three years now, four years now. He's going to give me back what I gave him. Even less. That's very true. Even less. 
But when I give it to God, when I say, God, you know what, that man, I release him. And what he took from me, he thought he stole from me. But I turn that into a gift. Uh, you see now, now I qualify to be repaid. See, I don't just qualify to be repaid that exact amount. I also qualify to help more people who need money. Anyone wants money here? You want me to give you money so that you can run with it? So <laughs> I can go to God and say, Lord! <laughs> Hallelujah! But you know, I just don't know what the consequence will be for the person who took the money. But I do not pray any evil upon them. Amen. I bless them. I release them. I ask the Lord to favor them in the name of Jesus. I ask the Lord to bring them true repentance. So that they would even come back to their senses and say, Oh, I took pastor's money and ran away. I never gave it back to him. Lord, I repent. And if they come here and they say, I want to give you the money. I don't really need it. I've already sold it. So I won't take it back. Praise God. So I've given you three reasons, right? So to know this stuff. These things are important. Praise God. Chica, can you get on the piano for me? Hallelujah. Did that bless anybody here today? Yeah. I, I, I think the third one really connects with people. You know, we talk about giving. We talk about tithe, offering, and all of that. Help other people. Help the poor. The, the Bible says to do good to all men. Especially those of the household of faith. Start from somewhere. Start from where you are. Start with what you've got. Don't wait until you become a multimillionaire. Start somewhere. Tell someone to start somewhere. One of my... A young man told me the story. In actual fact, when we were in Nigeria in June, but at Toby who used to be here, went back to Nigeria, started his business. Lord is blessing and increasing him mightily. He told me the story. He said he was in church. Just there. Think about standing here like this with people behind you in a, in a time of worship. He said, I heard a voice. The voice said, give the money in your pocket, all of it, to the woman behind you. This was a church service. So he turned, saw the woman. You don't even know her. But the Lord said, give her all the money in your pocket. Can I tell you that the Lord knows everyone's need? And, and there are times, even in services like this, that the Lord will prompt in your heart to give to one or to two or to three. You may not know what they are going through at the time. But you might find out a month later that what you did for them a month ago was needed. God wants men and women like this. Can someone say praise God? At other times, it's not in church. It's outside. People you don't even know. Come on now, say amen. Who wants God to use them like this? Giving into the ministry, like we see these women, continuously gave to Jesus. Continuously. And I'm sure there are people that also want God to use them in this. I really want to see you break through. And let me say this to you. Your giving your giving should not be limited to just one ministry. There's nothing wrong in giving to other ministries. Did you hear what I just said? Nothing is wrong with that. 
the Lord might put a ministry in your heart and say, sow into that ministry. I remember this was years ago when the Lord put a ma major ministry on my heart. Major ministry on my heart. And the Lord had me pray. I was praying for this ministry. The, the entire ministry, the man of God, his wife, his family, the entire staff. I was praying for them for about three years. Almost every day. Don't you know when you pray for ministers, you're sowing seed also? Don't hold back. Just obey God and you're going to see what God will do with your life. 